Welcome to episode 46 of the Fight for Together podcast. Hey there. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. I feel like I should have something I say every time. I don't know what it should be. Leave a comment below. The beginning? This is the beginning. I'm telling our listeners to oh, leave a comment yeah. below about what Cammy should say. This it's like pretends that it's like I like active. saying peace out at the end, but I don't know what to say at the beginning. Peace in. It's kind of awkward. We have an exciting episode for you today. It is a very special day. The day after a very <laughs> special day. Yeah. Yesterday was Cammy and I's nineteenth wedding anniversary. Here, I'm going to clap for us. Yeah. Why not? 19 years without a divorce. Stuck around each other. (laughs) We had some fights that crossed state lines, but some of those states are really close together. Two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. That was all in the first five years. It's true, it's true. Um, Okay, so... A little comment update. Man, I do not have my shit together. We just got back from our wedding. Um, our wedding, our anniversary trip. Trip thing. We went to Indianapolis. We really like Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay, so this week's comment um, from the listeners is kind of a funny one because it comes from someone else's Instagram account, but it's regarding episode 42. So four episodes ago, and it's uh, this guy... Pastor Derek Vreeland, author of, by the way, you guys saw we did a a review. It would be a very strong word for this book, but we did a response to the first chapter. And he says, I'm so happy that my book made it on the Fight Together podcast. I sent them a copy of my book because I have enjoyed their vlogs and podcasts this year. So he's talking to his own audience. Ben and Cammie Crawford have a fascinating story. They completed a through hike of the Appalachian Trail last year with their six amazing kids amazing huh sometimes sometimes they are writing a book about their through hike i can't wait to read it oh that's cool they are smart this is the good part they are smart (laughs) insightful unconventional and at times irreverent (laughs) at times i'll own that (laughs) yeah cammy is um i find myself disagreeing with them about half the time but that's okay with me half the time seems like that's we could be like best friends <laughs> because I don't know anyone that is that saying that he actually agrees with us half the time or that he's just like, maybe he agrees 10% and there's like 40% that it's like, eh, and then you disagree half. I don't know. But I think our family disagrees. Some of your family disagrees with about 95% about what I believe. So this is 45% I could say better. The, I could say the same thing about me, yeah. Sure. Um, they challenge me and captivate me with their ever-evolving story. I might be the only pastor who listens to their podcast, and that too is okay with me. So I want to give him a clap for staying with us, even though he's a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but then That can't I get, be easy to do. I guess he left a comment on our YouTube page to which Keith who's a Fight for Together supporter also. Actually, both Keith and Derek have sent money to the chair fund. Plug it. Um, and Keith said, well, I was a youth pastor for six years or something, which does not count because... He's not currently... Yeah, we've all been pastors. Yeah. Um, right? Except for me because I'm a woman. <laughs> yeah, but who hasn't been a pastor at one point in their life, really? Um but Derek is currently a pastor, which makes his situation very fascinating. Yeah, that's why I had to clap for him. That that was a very well-suited applause. And actually, someone asked last week who we would want to have as a – who would we want to interview on this podcast? Mm-hmm. I would be interested in interviewing Derek. Mm-hmm. Should I call him Pastor Derek? Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, I actually did think that was condescending because – I don't like that as a title either, but, um, but I would be really interested in interviewing someone like that because 
I just think there's so much to be gained from dialogue with people that disagree. I don't see disagreement as a liability. And if they can disagree in a way that <clears throat> respects each other's uh, opinions is like really, I think it's a very cool thing to see. It's for someone the, to see. It's that. the most fun thing ever. I mean, yeah. who wants to hear two people that agree about everything? Yeah. In fact, I think our earlier podcast episodes were pretty boring because I felt like you didn't really know how to speak up in this format. I was scared of the mic. Yeah, but the more that you've been like, no, I see it this way. Yeah, it's, it's probably way more entertaining for people. So to talk with a pastor, I mean, I have so many questions about like, mm-hmm. what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Mm-hmm. How can you be a pastor and listen to us? I mean, yeah, like because I think a lot of, not with him per se, but what we found is a lot of the system why is he the only pastor? There's got to be a reason. Unless like, there's some closet pastor. Are there any pastor closet? listeners? Fuck, this is Pride Month. So if any of you pastors want to come out. Of the closet. And, and say you either listen to the and podcast. have some well, I guess if you're listening to this, you listen to the podcast. And fucking own it. Yeah. I mean, I know it's scary to come out for who you really are. But hopefully, Pastor Derek Vreeland can lead by example. Mm-hmm. Of the change that can happen when you step out. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm done talking about that. Um, <clears throat> I think we're ready for the main topic of the day. Um, where are we here? So maybe Pastor Derek and I can be in touch uh, if that's possible about how we would even do that. The problem I don't, I don't like doing, I've never done remote podcast so that kind of almost immediately shoots that idea down okay this is a marital anniversary episode but of course here at five for together we don't do things the easy way we're gonna i think hit upon a topic of marriage that is very common but oftentimes not talked about mm-hmm and talk about how it was in our own relationship. Okay, let's do it. <clears throat> That's what Cammy says when she has no idea what's going to happen. I do know. <clears throat> oh, I yeah? Know what? What? You told me. What? Talking about codependency. Oh, you do know, babes. Yeah. Okay. Which isn't just with marriage, by the way. Absolutely. It can be any relationship, but can be codependent. That is a wonderful <clears throat> point. And... We're going to be talking about this primarily about marriage, but this is true about can be any two people, I think. Okay, so the, the it can way... Be, sorry, but it can be a system, too. It can be like a family, can be codependent on each other. or Yeah, anyways, go ahead. Okay, the way this came about is I've been speaking with some friends recently about my writing, and they're talking about their writing and goals. And... Um, trying to accomplish those difficult things that you feel like are inside of you, but there's so many excuses for why they're not coming outside of you. So much resistance. Yes. And then one of them, in fact, a number of these people, these friends said that they feel like the more they're honest with themselves, they feel like the number one person holding them back, maybe not intentionally, but pragmatically, is their spouse. And um, then this chapter of this book came up that I'm going to read in its entirety. It's only three paragraphs long, four paragraphs. And this book is titled The War of Art. Yeah. And Not to be confused with The Art of War. (laughs) The War of Art. The subtitles break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. Now, if you are an aspiring writer, vlogger, artist, creative, potter, um, business owner, anything that requires motivation of any type. Um, so parent. Yeah. <laughs> this is the number one book. I can recommend on 
the planet. On a per word basis, it's been worth more to me per word, per dollar, per minute of my time than any book I've read. It's had more of an impact on me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of creative people that I know um, say that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so do yourself a favor and, by the way, do us a favor and click on the link in our show notes, which will get you the book and it will get us money because I think every time you click it, we get like 16 cents mm. and uh, buy this book. Actually, I'm, I'm fucking hard selling this. I don't actually believe any book is that powerful. But if you're into that type of thing, this could be up your alley. I think I want to reread that book. I it's been a while. really think you should. <laughs> and especially kind of what I've been dealing with. With, like, my music and stuff. I would love it if you would reread this. Yeah. All right. Um, Which reminds me. It is time to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Thing. 11, 11. Okay. We're back. If you're on YouTube, we never left. Oh, you guys knew that these videos or these podcasts are available on YouTube if you want to see the video. Okay, so this is the chapter we're going to start off reading, and it's called Resistance Recruits Allies. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I, had, I have that written there. Um, I saw that, yeah. That was from ages ago. Do you want to read this? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm, just, I'm reading this whole yep. chapter. Okay. Resistance, by definition, is self-sabotage, but there's a parallel peril that must also be guarded against sabotage by others when a writer begins to overcome her resistance in other words when she actually starts to write she may find that those close to her begin acting strange they may become moody or sullen they may get sick they may accuse the awakening writer of changing of not being the person she was The closer these people are to the awakening writer, the more bizarrely they will act and the more emotion they will put behind their actions. They are trying to sabotage her. The reason is that they are struggling, consciously or unconsciously, against their own resistance. The awakening writer's success becomes a reproach to them. If she can beat these demons, why can't they? Often couples or close friends, even entire families will enter into tacit compacts whereby each individual pledges unconsciously to remain mired in the same sloth, slough, slough, in which she and all her cronies have become so comfortable. The highest treason a crab can commit is to make a leap for the rim of the bucket. Okay, hang on, pause. Do you know what that means, that crab thing? It, because the crab is trying to get free. Yeah, but I guess there's this thing. I just learned about this this week, actually. I guess there's this thing where if you put crabs in a bucket, you don't need to put a lid in it if there's multiple crabs. Because when one tries to climb oh. up, all the rest will hold the one crab down. Oh, shit. But if you only put one in, they'll climb out. That's but if there's a bunch of them, the others will hold it like, back. No, get down here. You. You're with us. Yeah. If I'm not getting out, you're not getting out. You're not better than us. What do you think? You are a bird? (laughs) That's crazy. The awakening artist must be ruthless, not only with herself, but with others. Once you make your break, you can't turn around for your buddy who catches his trouser leg on the barbed wire. The best thing you can do for that friend, and he'd tell you this himself if he really is your friend, is to get over the wall and keep motating. The best and only thing that one artist can do for another is to serve as an example and an inspiration. Okay, so this this sounds like a no-brainer in a way with a certain crowd, but I actually think it's more controversial than we realize. Oh, I think so, yeah. And I think we've experienced this. And the part I want to address, there's there's two parts to this. There's the part that says, this is hard. Let's try to do it. Okay, that's actually not the part I really want to talk about. The part I want to talk about is the belief system that actually validates this type of codependency. Mm. 
because and and it might not be there's a lot of folks out there you guys know where our angle um we come from a religious background so where we come from a lot of the religion was used to actually validate codependency but it was called other things yes it was never called codependency Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. called partnership or a male's responsibility so like let's take one example and this isn't purely hypothetical but it's not recent either um, in a lot of our early years of marriage, Cammy wanted to watch TV shows or movies late at night. And I did too. But more often than not, it was like a kind of a, she adopted it as a, I don't want to call it a requirement, but you, it was, it was more valuable to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and, sh- and she would say these things and our belief system made it so that I felt guilty for not watching this TV show with her at night because kind of the way that it would go was like, let's say I wanted to read a book or go out and work or do something. She would say, Oh, I'm lonely or, Oh, you know, I don't feel like I've spent time with you all day or something like that. And you know, it would, these are the thing about this is this is not a black or white thing. Those things are actually nice and they're true. Like Mm -hmm. I appreciate, I, I don't think Cammy was lying or being manipulative on purpose, I think she actually wanted to spend time with me. And our belief system was such that as a religious man, I felt like it was my biblical responsibility to look out for her emotions. And if Cammie felt lonely or insecure, I felt like it was my responsibility to solve that. Mm -hmm. Which now is a little bit crazy for me to think about for Mm -hmm. a number of reasons. One is I don't even believe it's possible for one person to solve another person's loneliness. Like if one person decides that they need, you know, another human to fill a void that is essentially bottomless, Mm -hmm. the other person trying is a pretty futile attempt. But the second thing that this book focuses on is the way to act, the best way to help Cammy is not by succumbing to the lowest common denominator of our desires. Um, And I don't want to shit on watching movies uh, because that's not the point. But if I feel this need to create art or go and work or do something um, that's, let's say it's hard for me to do and it's something that I Mm -hmm. think is valuable, then it would not be uncommon to expect those around you and especially those closest to you to be the ones that actually prevent you. Mm Yeah, because he's talking about how it awakens something unconsciously in the other person to their own resistance. and like, Or like, oh, I could do that too. But, but because they're not aware of it, they just act in all these weird ways of like trying to sabotage the other person, <laughs> I think. Yeah, and it's so, it's so unconscious. And this is where... You know, it's it's hard to even talk about a bit because n- no one is claiming to sabotage another person. Um, but it's uncomfortable when someone else is, the word he uses is motating, but let's say moving forward, going into uncomfortable territory. Mm-hmm. People around that person have one of two choices to either celebrate that person's victory and what that does is it kind of functions as a bit of an inspiration for themselves to say if it's possible for them to move and do something maybe it's possible that i do that and it actually then becomes a life-changing force Mm -hmm. or the far easier thing to do is to be like you can't do that you know to actually try and tear the person down i i think i had this emotion come up a lot i felt like it was unfair and I wonder if that even came from me feeling like I wasn't living into my fullest potential. So it just felt unfair to me. So it's it's then I'm seeing myself as a victim instead of, you know, really being able to ask the question like, well, why do I feel this way? Um, but I think for... And I I mean, some of it could have been other things, but I think for a lot of those years, I felt um, 
like you had more freedom. And so it felt like unfair to me. But I, I think it's because we were locked into these like gender roles that we don't really yeah, there's a lot of anymore. variables here that I don't want to get to all of them yeah. fully. So this is we're just talking about like one variable because right. I think in some ways our lives were built unfairly. And everyone's going to have diff- their own variables that they're going to have yeah. to sort through. So this isn't a male or female thing or a religious or non-religious thing. But this is just a thing that says when one partner feels like they ought to write a song or they go out and pick up a guitar or they start a craft or they start something – Mm-hmm. And the other partner's initial response is to is one of discouragement, subtly even, yeah. more often than not subtly, um, being like, "Oh, I'm," you know. It's funny the examples he uses, like the the one partner gets suddenly sick. You know, they're basically like sa- it's sabotage. I'm sick. Yeah. Well, and I think I think it's also because the partner is seeing the other one changing and change is really hard and i think we always resist change at least initially um so yeah i think i think even you can just say it's it's like that person's changing like oh they're actually like they're actually moving forward when they haven't been before so i think that's hard because then all of a sudden that just throws the dynamic all off and to me, this the the reason why this dynamic is important. I believe this dynamic of codependency is actually toxic. And what I mean by toxic is, I like I prefer to describe toxic dynamics instead of toxic people, um, because I think this dynamic basically prevents growth from happening mm-hmm. or stunts growth in some way. And it doesn't just happen with art. I mean, those are the easy things to look at, or those have been the main topics of my fascination as a creative person that's made like almost a thousand vlog episodes and a number of podcasts. Like we're kind of in that space of producing non-income related projects, but it really can be like Cammy said, any type of change, you mm-hmm. know, someone says, I'm going to stand up to my boss or I'm going to stand up to my friend, or I'm going to write that letter. That's hard. Or, I mean, think about this one. What about standing up to your spouse? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could see more of that because I think that's been more of a challenge for you. Yeah. Well, it's it's you're completely like if you're not used to standing up to someone and then all of a sudden you do, it's a shock to that person because they're so used to this certain dynamic um, where – in this case, the other person just goes along with what I what I want to do or at least just isn't like voicing their opinion or giving me any resistance back. So let's role play this for a second. Okay. So you um, – let's say you get fed up with something I'm doing. Ben, you're always leaving your, your laundry on the ground by the side of the bed. Something completely fictional. Mm-hmm. That – Okay is not like true at all oh and that is true so we should think no of i was telling else. i was saying i was just saying that's pretend that that's a pretend situation <laughs> i don't want our audience i don't want to reveal to oh you audience. want me to think of something that's pretend okay you missed the joke no <laughs> oh i was supposed to be like oh yeah that's a pretend yes okay whoops <laughs> yeah um, um okay okay so cammy um, comes to me and says hey i'm sick of are we on the same page at all? You right now? leaving your racquetball bag. I thought we already had this situation. The laundry. Okay, fine. We'll do the bed. laundry. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, and I say, "Whoa, okay. you've had a rough day, huh?" Yeah. Or, okay. What was the energy? I. What did I say to you? Did. Cammy. Does that not matter? It doesn't matter. But okay. Let's say that it was the cl- you leave clothes by the side of the bed all the time. Okay. And you're all like pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And I'm like, whoa, must be that time of the month again. Oh, jeez. Or <laughs> you had a rough day. Uh-huh. Which this yeah. is kind of a weird example because I guess in that way you're not really like pursuing an art, but you're pursuing an observation and a truth mm-hmm. that was, you know, in your case, I know you, you'd ra- you would rather just pick up the clothes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be easier for me to discount you 
than to take who you are and your insight and your observation and validate it and say, wow, that's cool that you had the courage to speak up about that. Tell mm-hmm. me more. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier for me to be like, uh, no, I can't. Just like example. shut me down. Yes. Like, because, and you probably know, like, it's going to be easy because we have this dynamic and, and, and I'm that, stepping outside that. One's of that one's personal. So that maybe that's a bad example because it kind of like is directly against me. Yeah. But let's take another one where you're like, I'm going to start running. Mm-hmm. And actually, this one happened in our marriage where you were like trying to run. And I had seen you run a lot and fail or quit at least. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, okay, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you do? Eat a donut yesterday? Mm-hmm. Like, And I would basically. How far did you run? 10 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like demotivate. Gosh, you would fucking sabotage me. <laughs> I'm just realizing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I mean, I don't know how much. I think it's a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it, that part of that was just being <laughs> cynical, not wanting to waste money on more shoes and shit. But, but regardless, I think that the mechanisms are still the same. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And you running might make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I could, if I'm not positive there's a couple things you could do about that. But but according to this author and this scenario, the best thing for you to do is to go run. Just keep, yeah. Keep, not keep to, moving forward, not whatever that is. Not to cater to my, be like, oh, hey, let's watch a movie tonight. Oh, I really miss you. Or like all that kind of stuff. There's a million things that I'm going to say to keep you from running. Hmm. In other words. Yeah, but I mean, let's talk about how hard that is when you like have someone who you you care about and you're you're just starting a a really a new dynamic by saying no i can't watch the movie with you tonight i need to do this like that's that's hot that's pretty i mean i just know especially for my personality that's really hard i think it's harder for you um but maybe it's, yeah, hard for I mean, anyone. This is like, okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of this stuff has been intro. Mm-hmm. Um, is we've been married for 19 years yesterday. Mm-hmm. I feel like about 15 years of our marriage was based on codependency. Mm-hmm. That was the model we were given. It was, this is the model we were trained in. We were actually told, like, this is what a successful marriage is. You're supposed to, like, look out for each other. And looking out for each other meant making each other comfortable. We were validated for living into that. Yeah, we were given a whole shitload of tips and tricks for... But it, it was so... It's so depressing now to realize that most of the marriage advice we got was all in this model of ways to basically like prevent each other from growing yeah i mean how depressing is that that's pretty depressing. the answer is really depressing okay but for the last five years specifically three years you and i i think through counseling mm-hmm. have developed really a whole new working model that i think we were already working towards mm-hmm. but now we can i think articulate it a lot more clearly well i think i want to actually date it back to um what 10 years ago 12 step groups yes yes i I totally agree with that that's when we first i mean we had never heard about what like codependent what does codependency look like what i mean i don't even know if i remember hearing the word but when we started going to our separate 12 step groups was the first time i think for me that i even thought about having permission to giving myself permission to think individually it was kind of it's kind of scary to like to even say say that because i'm like teesh <laughs> but um that's how that's how bad you were trained though yeah i mean i i don't think it's my fault but it's kind of sad like it's sad that that's how long it took i mean i was 28 years old 
and we've been married for eight, nine years. But I just remember talking to my sponsor, you know, because you would, uh, you were upset with me about something. And it was like, she's like, you know, it's, <clears throat> that it's okay for him to be upset. Like that doesn't have to um, define who you are. And I was like, oh. Because your methodology before that, crazy. if I'm upset, your belief system and emotions was geared around the fact that you, your job now is to make me not upset. Right. Yeah. And in 12 step group in 12 step groups, you mm-hmm. learned what? Well, I What's learned the opposite of that. I learned to focus on myself. Um, don't try to change the other person. You can only change yourself. Um, and actually when you try to change the other person, you're actually deflecting from changing yourself. So you, it's actually, you're not going to change the other person and you're not going to be changed if you're focusing on the other person. So I, so the irony of codependency, I think is a lot of times people are trying to change the other person when really they're sabotaging their own change. And not only are they not changing the other person, but they're not changing. So some of the most codependent scenarios we know actually required a ton of effort. Mm. right it's not just about sitting there watching tv yeah 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 there's this huge burden it's it's actually not just laziness it's about where the emphasis and the effort is being put right well so i mean even like in this scenario the guy says you know if your friend or spouse needs help Mm -hmm. intuitively you think i should turn around and help them Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you want to run? I'm going to go help you make a better runner. The best way for me to help you become a better runner is for me to go and run. Right. That's what he's saying. And that's what, like, you know, I've really come to well, believe this from other ways. Yeah. And I think what kind of was birthed out of the 12 step for me was permission to let me be me and you be you. Like, I think that evolved over the years to that language, but that was probably the first time. Because if I'm relinquishing control to try to change you, then the fruit of that is going to be, I'm actually letting you be you. So what I want to talk about is what does this look like today? Because this is one of the things that in reflecting on 19 years of marriage, we've been a part of a lot of people and places where being married a long time was a big ass trophy you put on your fucking mantle next to your deer skull was oh we just celebrated 50 years and everyone's like oh my gosh what an inspiration of fucking shining beacon of hope for all of us but a lot of those relationships that we see they're actually like codependent as hell they, they stopped stop. growing 30 years yeah, ago and they just validate each other by rubbing each other off. Yeah. And actually what they mean by married for 50 years is basically just like our belief system was so against divorce that even though we stopped growing, we didn't get a divorce for 50 years. So it should be like an anti-divorce party. Mm-hmm. It's like, good job. Mm-hmm. You didn't get a divorce. Yeah. Or do drugs or whatever. And that, to me, is not the type of marriage I want to have. I don't want to just, like, not be divorced for 40 years, but be in an emotionally codependent, stagnant growth type relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say I feel like my marriage to you and your impact on me is one where I feel completely free to grow and pursue what it is I want to do, what I feel like I'm created to do, what I feel like my calling is, Mm -hmm. what I feel like I need to do. There's a lot of ways to phrase it. Mm -hmm. And I think and I hope that I'm the same to you. That that is my benchmark (coughs) for success in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And the way I gauge it is when I have something hard that I need to do, whether it's relational or artistic um, or spiritual, when I come to you, I sense there's a two-step process. And actually, something like this happened tonight. And actually, today 
is the closest we've come to this in a long, 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 long time. Because you were in tears today. Because mm-hmm. there was a letter I needed to write to a family member. And you, it was going to make your life a living hell. Yeah. So and I said, could you please not just not, I didn't say like, don't do it. But I just said like, could you do it in a different way or not right, th- not right now? But even then, I'm, like, asking you. And I knew it was, like, your choice. Yeah. So this two-step process is I could see you wrestling with what was best for you. Mm-hmm. And then I could also see you wrestling in a separate question of what was best for me. Mm-hmm. And I think we fundamentally yeah. believe you could say, do this for me. But or, if yeah, or but, us, which then yeah. gets really. But if I end up doing everything for you, mm-hmm. and I've seen this in a lot of relationships, where, like, uh, you know, the guy t- caters to the girl and is like, "Oh, I'm trying to make her happy, and be who she wants me to be," and the guy ends up basically morphing into this character of who he thinks she wants to be trying to make her happy which doesn't make her happy and this is not a male female thing it could go either way and then she doesn't have the guy that she fell in love with to begin with anyway so Hmm. when we try and cater to the other person it might have good short-term effects but in the long run it always backfires Hmm. so i could say okay fine i won't write this letter i'll do what i'll try and make you happy but if it's really in my heart or my belief system that this letter should be written, that I need to write it for myself. Mm-hmm. And if you keep me from doing it, mm-hmm. in a way, it's like, okay, you can make the dog not bark, but at some point he's going to stop being a dog. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, I don't want him to wag his tail either because it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, well, let's not make him let him bark or wag his tail. And I don't like it when he runs or shakes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if I'm, if you're always doing what is best for me, like where are you in that like you're gone (laughs) and i think our dynamic was for a long time was i was i was oh i'm gonna use this verbiage but i don't think it's correct but i was doing what was best for you but really it was more just because i didn't it was too uncomfortable for me to figure out or i couldn't i didn't know how to figure out well what do i what's best for me like yeah you know so it wasn't like i was just like (laughs) it wasn't like i was just like this fucking saint i wasn't like it was just it was a coping mechanism yeah that i had um until i could get the strength and the clarity and the courage to know who is cammy like what does cammy want i feel like that's fucking psychology 101 that has changed our life, but I actually feel like it's not common sense. And that is that a lot of people, yeah. they say, oh, I I was nice to you. I, you know, I didn't yell at you when you left your shoes on the door. So now you owe me one. Right. When maybe you totally should have, and it was your fault for not, because now you, you like, I'm preaching to myself right now, but now you just bottled up all this anger. Yeah, and really at the end of the day, of- we don't believe that you did that for the other. You actually did that for yourself. So, and there's so yeah. much freedom that just admit when you admit and say, "Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up to you because it wasn't worth it for me." Instead of acting like you're doing, you know, like someone owes you points. Okay, that was a side note. But, but I want to get into what our life looks like now in our belief system because I have a feeling it's a little bit extreme, at least for where we came from. But to the rest of the world, maybe it's normal. And that is that there's this two-step belief system where I know you ask, okay. If Ben is saying this, it's good for Ben, and he gets to decide that, Mm -hmm. and I believe the same about you. And then, secondarily, then there's this question of, well, how is this going to affect me? And that those become good conversations, but we have to separate those two things. Mm -hmm. If I just say, oh, this is a pain in the ass to me. I wanted to watch TV tonight, and I make it sound as if it's your responsibility to make me happy, Mm -hmm. I think we run the risk of sabotaging each other and then doing it for really selfish reasons that we're like almost claiming aren't selfish. Mm-hmm. 
So one of the things I love about our relationship is when I come to you with an idea for a book. And I, I, I do have harebrained ideas. So it's we're not saying Cammy needs to support every single idea I have. This is not that type of conversation. But let's say that we have a proven track record of, you know, there's just ideas and we can afford to do them financially or emotionally or whatever. And it's going to be hard, but I'm deciding I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you have my back, whether or not it's going to be convenient for you. Because you believe that if I don't do me, mm-hmm. then something inside you is going to die. And, and at the end, you're going to be married to a shell of a man. Yeah. And I believe the same about you. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Absolutely. Like, oh, I, I mean, for me, like, there could be some pushback I have for certain ideas. But for the most part, I think if I really see, like, oh, this idea... Like, Ben's coming alive, like, just talking about it. And he won't stop talking about it after weeks. And to me, if I want to, like, stay married to him, stay a good friend to him, um, I think I need to champion him on. Because otherwise, marriage and friendship, it's not, it's really not going to work, I think. Um I don't know. I've seen people, I kind of think, because even with the harebrained ideas or I don't know, I don't have a good example of that, but like, but if I think that you're really like this, this matters so much to you. It it doesn't really matter how harebrained it is. I mean, I could, it could be too much for me. So I could say that, I guess. But like, if I'm going to stay in this relationship with you, it just... I don't know. It, it, I don't think it... You either have to walk away from the relationship, I think, shut down the person, or just, okay, yeah, I'll support that. And one of the reasons why codependency is so rampant in religious circles is because they're not, they're not willing to walk away from the relationship. No. They have this spiritual, biblical reason that they think validates any amount of relational destruction and lack of growth because they've put divorce as the ultimate villain move and longevity in marriage instead of just health yeah like and i'm all for long marriages like monogamy i think it has some huge pros to it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there's some benefits um marriage like i'm a fan we've like done it for 19 years i think it's like i'd give it what four and a half stars at least (laughs) um so it's cool but life is not that simple like there's other forces at play and when that's all you fixate your energy on is like oh we're monogamous non-divorced we happen to like sabotage each other's like goals it's like no wonder no one wants to get Mm -hmm. married (laughs) like fuck yeah yeah that's just like it's really sad to watch that so so i thought one way we could end because i just got really inspired as you were talking about giving pushback Mm. like and this could be one of the most valuable things people take away from this is how do you give pushback in a way that is, you know, it, it still expresses, I mean, in a partnership, this is not, I can't, I can't emphasize enough. This is not about, okay, do whatever the hell you want. Burn the house down to the ground. Yeah, I'm going to die because I'm in the well, house and I'm on fire. I think what's helpful is to separate what might be uncomfortable to you about the idea or about what where your partner's going and whether or not it's a bad idea. Can you rephrase bad? Well, I think so let's say, you know, Ben's like I'm I want to start a hot air bloom business in the attic. Yeah. And you know, all of a sudden I just get super anxious and I'm just like oh, crap, like that's going to do this this and this for me um that i think is actually separate from that's a bad investment like if you do that i've heard i heard johnny down the street like he did that and you 
and this is what happened. Like he completely went bankrupt. I mean, I'm just pulling all this out of my ass. But like, but you're saying it's a bad idea because of A, B, and C, not it's a bad idea because that's going to make my life miserable. Now, I think that's, that's valid too. But I think where it gets murky is when you like. I, have, I like have no idea what you're talking about right now. Okay. Well, I'm just saying there's a difference between saying, I don't think that's a great idea and this is why versus saying, um, that makes me uncomfortable or, or that makes my life, that's going to make my life hell. So I don't want you to do it. And a lot of times people, how is that different? Because you can sometimes put those together and not realizing the, the main reason why you think it's a bad idea isn't because it's actually a bad idea, but because it's going to make your life miserable, which maybe then makes it a bad idea, but it's separate. I, I feel like the distinction maybe you're trying to make, I don't, I'm not following you, mm-hmm. is sticking to how it affects you. Yes. Versus objectively, is this a bad idea? Okay. Well, the point isn't if it's a bad idea or not. The point is just, does it affect you or not? Yeah, but in a partnership or if I'm trying to support you, I think both, like if, if you did bring up something, I think both would be on the table. Like if you're asking my advice sure. or, yeah. But or, the difference is in it affects you or not. I mean, yeah. this, this is something we learn in therapy of like, you know, if I decide to go play guitar mm-hmm. and Cammy doesn't like it, well... It's not really her choice uh-huh. if she doesn't like it. Now, if I start using our money or her money or if I start playing it really loud next to the bed while she's trying to fall asleep hmm. or right. if I, you know, start inviting the band over to the house <laughs> and they leave beer cans all over the dining room table, mm-hmm. now she can say, hey, you're impacting me and this is how you're impacting me. But that has nothing to do with guitar so much. As it has to do with not, her not getting sleep or beer cans. Mm-hmm. And that distinction, I think, is really important. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you have to make it work for both people if you're... I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. Different, I guess. Yeah, anyways, I'm digressing. But Okay. Let's bring it back to how to give pushback. Mm-hmm. So let's say I, I'm saying I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to start a band. And you maybe aren't sure if it's the greatest idea. Um, but yeah. the first thing I think is important is for you, for me, whoever it would be, to ask. Maybe a better example is like, I want to write a book. Because that happens all the time. Like, I want to write a book. Uh-huh. And for you to be able to, if you're going to support me, to be able to ask would you like my feedback on this? And if so, what kind of feedback would you like? That's what I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side, if you're like, I'm going to go, I want to become a rock star. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Instead of just assuming that I get to say whatever the hell I want mm-hmm. to ask. Right. The second thing is to give suggestions like lightly. You know, assuming that you say yes, mm-hmm. instead of telling you what to do or assuming that I get to decide you're right, say, well, have you thought about, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of ask a question and say. Well, I think at some point I like to hear what really helps me, at least personally, is I like to hear your heart behind why do you want to write a book? Because that helps me understand how valuable it is to you. And where you're coming from. And then that help helps me uh, possibly get more behind it. Yeah, I feel like that's really next level oh, stuff. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think most people know. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing enough stuff for quite a while that I'm like, I'm really obsessed with motive. Yeah. And spent eight years and 12 So what you're like, saying is... Most people, may, or a lot of people, would just be like, I don't know. I just want to do it. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. <laughs> yeah. I okay. mean, you and I geek out on that kind of stuff all the time. I, I, there could be there's other people out there yeah. that are doing that, but mm-hmm. I, I don't have those conversations with other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So keep it pretty basic then about like, what did you say? <laughs> like you, you ask like, Hey, can I become a rock star? So this is me wanting to become a rock star because I'm assuming that if, if I want you to support me, which I do, it's, I think good to ask for that instead of just assume like, or just be like, I'm going to become a rock star, which everyone has that right, but it's probably not going to go over. Well, so I'm well. flipping the role. I'm saying, how do you support someone's dream and yeah. not be codependent? So let's say, I mean, and this is something we've actually dealt with. Like you want to play guitar and you want to use your gifts and it's hard for you. Yeah. It's like actually a pretty fragile thing. It so is. when you come yeah. to me and if you say, Hey, I want to take voice lessons as an example. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like thinking, Oh, like crap. Like how much money is that going to cost? All these things. Yeah. You know, I think one of the first things I need to ask you is, mm-hmm. do you mind if I ask you a few questions or do I have permission to kind of like mm. challenge this dream right now? Because yeah. it could be that it's so fragile that it I'm took, like, never mind, never mind. It took all of your guts to even come to me with the idea yeah. yep. that by even asking a question, yep. it squashes the dream <laughs> and makes me feel unsafe. And that's. It's, it's like I already have so much resistance. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm just, I'm like the crab that's like almost to the rim. <laughs> and you're like, Pah! And Get people down. might say, well, you have the right to do that. To which I would say, I absolutely have the right to do that. Yeah. But if I do that, Cammie's not going to come to me in the future with her future dreams. And I would much rather have a relationship with her mm-hmm. in the long run and have her come to me. So it's like, it's not just how do I shut down the bad idea. It's like, how do we be, maintain intimacy and, and and the way we do that is b- by first and foremost encouraging her to be who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and this is like, actually, I did not think we were going to go here. I, this podcast, I feel all fucked up in the head. I don't know. If, I feel like we're going, yeah, it doesn't seem like our most concise podcast. It's like podcast. crazy vague. So thank you for your patience here. I'm not ready to just like call it a night. <laughs> we had a pretty dramatic day today. Um, okay, so C.S. Lewis, he had this picture of a triangle. And we had this um, C.S. Lewis quote on our wedding invitations, actually. Mm-hmm. But the point was this. He said, this is, man, this is also convoluted because I'm mixing two different stories. But one of his points was that two people don't become friends by fixating on each other. They become friends by fixating on something outside of themselves Mm-hmm. And heading towards that thing together. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we look at each other, we're like, okay, tomorrow, let's be best friends. Mm-hmm. Friend, 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 friend. Like, let's hang out, hang out, hang out. Like, okay, like, you be, it's a shitty friendship. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're trying really, really hard to hang out and to create common interests. The be- best friendships, and his thing was, I think, was, a sp- was spiritual in nature. It was this triangle that when you're both heading towards God... The, if you're at two points of the triangle and you meet at this third point, you will inevitably get closer together. It's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. Now, to just substitute that for where we're at right now, when Cammy becomes Cammy mm-hmm. and is truly allowed to express herself and grow into herself and become herself, and I'm being Ben, hopefully this is the way that we become have the best relationship ever. Mm-hmm. But if I if we're trying so hard to be close and to form her to who I think she, I want her to be or need yeah. her to be, I think you're almost just doomed anyways. Because best case scenario is you don't get divorced and you are both playing this part of what you think the other person wants you to be. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. She was... <sighs> I'm so over this conversation right now. But we've been married for 19 years and not divorced. And it has been pretty great, I would say. Um, We have had a shit ton of difficulty and fights along the way. But it's been worth it. And I know marriage is not for everyone. And, you know, I'm okay with that. But in this case, I've been so thankful to have a life partner that knows me and encourages me in my projects and doesn't keep me from doing that. 
and I really want to be that to you. And if you're in a relationship where, you know, you don't feel like that with your spouse, I think there's steps that you could possibly take that would prevent further codependency from happening. But it could mean breaking old patterns and habits. Mm, yeah. That currently exist. Right. Okay, we. I'm, I'm staring at this stack of news that I don't want to deal with. I'm staring at this stack of phone calls that I don't want to deal with. There is this one that actually totally pertains to this today. So Not that we don't want your phone calls. No, I just feel like we're at an hour. <laughs> and we'll, We will use them. Cammy wants to watch Stranger Things Season 3. Um, okay, let's do it. Hi, Cammie and Ben. My name is Jessie. I'm from Denver, and I have a bit of a relationship question. I'm 22. Um, I would definitely consider myself a loner. And uh, recently, my boyfriend has been taking that super personally, and it's so hard for me to decide describe how my personal preferences shouldn't affect his his way of viewing the relationship. And I know you guys have dealt with some of these same feelings of personal preferences and um, insecurities. So I was just wondering what you guys would think the best way to approach him and truly make him understand how I feel as a loner and how my time alone is so valuable to me. Also, additionally, I'm just thinking about, you know, marriage in the future and being around someone, you know, basically 24-7, living with them, sleeping with them in the same bed every night. And, like, how how do you guys feel about that? Are you guys... Do you guys ever get super sick of each other and just want to be alone? Anyway, love you guys. I listened to basically all of your podcasts in the last two weeks. Been binging hardcore, but finally wanted to call. All right. Thank you, guys. Dude, that is hardcore, binging all the podcasts in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked this phone call because I think it was so pertinent to what we talked about today. Yeah. Man. Where would you start? I don't... Well, the son of a bitch, I think, with this, Jesse, is I don't think you can make him understand your point of view. I think you can try, um, you know, to be to be honest and to, to share what your needs and wants are um, as a person and then f- in the relationship. Um, but at the end of the day, he's going to have to decide if that's going to work for him or not. Well, and you have to be honest with yourself about what your needs really are. Yeah. And yeah. that's where... First of all, I commend you for, well, I really appreciate your phone call anyways, but I, I commend you for your self-awareness and honesty at this level oh, yeah. of the game to even yeah. know this is something of value that uh, is who you are. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty unusual, I think. Um, so one question I would have is, does loner have a negative connotation to you? Because mm-hmm. I don't think, if, if it does, I think you might want to use a different word. Because sometimes for some people, they're like, oh, I'm a loner or I'm a hermit or I'm a... More introverted. Well, introverted, I think, has become more accepted. I know, but I just didn't know if that's what she meant or if she meant something more extreme than that. My guess is that some of those, there's kind of like an overlap with Mm -hmm. a lot of those things. Yeah. But my point is like to understand that this is what makes you tick and that this is who you are and this is how your brain functions... Yeah. And to not even be down on yourself for that, I think is a first really important step. And to understand that if you don't listen to those needs and desires and preferences, that things will not go well for you. Like you'll be burned out mm-hmm. and worn out and running suboptimally for the rest of your life. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, and I was a little bit torn because, um, you know, you said he takes things personally. And when I hear that, I get a little bit alarmed because I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. But if every time you don't want to hang out with him, he says, oh, you, don't, you must not love me. That's a bit of a red flag for me in terms of like he has this insecurity that there's nothing you are going to be able to do that's going to be able to fix that. And not to say that you or him can't change, or I guess in this case we're talking about him mostly changing, but but I think actually getting into a marriage will only exacerbate all of those things. Yeah. Just saying. Now, if he's up for a challenge and he's proven himself to be someone who doesn't mind having things addressed, I mean, I considered myself an extremely insecure person for our early years of marriage, especially. And like, if Cammy didn't have sex with me or didn't want to hang out, I mean, I was like, I was exactly that. But over the years, I think because I was like willing to change in other areas, this that is one of those things that has also changed a lot. Yeah. But just don't expect that to go away. Yeah. yeah I guess, or especially overnight. And I could, I mean, I, I'm definitely more of an introverted person. So I can relate to, like, in our relationship, I've had to, and this has taken years, so you being 22 and recognizing this is great. But I had to recognize and accept in myself, oh, I get drained a lot quicker than Ben does with certain things, certain, especially social stuff. Um, and I need to go recharge. And sometimes that means I need to be away from Ben. I need to be away from the kids. In fact, every day I need, I actually need that every day, at least some of it, or I start, I start not doing super well. <laughs> and that affects me, you know, but mm. There's some things that it affects me that are concrete and there's some things that are abstract. So for Cammy, if she says, well, I need to be alone for an hour, I better fucking find a hobby or something <laughs> to do for an hour because I'm not that way. I, I could yeah. probably spend 24 seven with you and not be bored or some or anyone really like actually not anyone, uh, but, but, that's, but people with, you like with you. Yeah, I, I don't mm -hmm. have that same need. Mm -hmm. um, so her choices do impact me. But there's mm -hmm. another area where they don't need to impact me. So if if every time Cammy spends an hour, I'm like, oh, I'm not loved or you don't care about me mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. To me, that crosses a line where I'm not I'm no, not only sharing how they impact me, I'm going back into her side of the street or her yard and telling her about my motivation for why I need to yeah. spend time apart. Um, the final thing I would say, which if you're considering marriage is you don't need to sleep in the same room. And I'm giving that as a extreme example, but you get to decide what marriage means to you. And this is a great time to have that conversation up front mm -hmm. to say, yo, I'm a loner. I'm a hermit. I'm an introvert, whatever language you want to use. And to me, that's going to mean spending a significant amount of the rest of my life alone mm -hmm. for me to be a healthy person and to toss that in the other person's court and be like, are you okay with that or not? Because mm -hmm. if you're not, well, we get one of two choices. Either we go separate ways or I'm with you and we're going to be miserable for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, of course, the trickier thing is they're going to say yes. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then you have to decide if you believe them. Right. Because a lot of people, depending on their background, will just say yes just because they want to get close the deal. Right. But just understand that well, they may or may not be. It already truth. seems like she's starting. She's already getting certain vibes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at at this time. I think you can have a good test run mm -hmm. and to say, hey, Saturdays I need a loan or after 8 p.m. I need a loan or mm -hmm. if when I give this signal, it means I need some space, whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. 
and practice it starting now. You know, these are boundaries. These are health requirements. These are your preferences. preferences yeah. And they're all worthwhile and valid. And if your partner right now is not respecting them now, do not expect them to respect you or your preferences or boundaries. Just because you're married or just because you've been together for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for the call in. Yes. Okay. Got these, all these things. Okay. Um, we have a special request for you guys. First of all, if you would like to call and leave a question, the phone number is in the notes, but it is 206-651-5744. And we really appreciate your calls. But we are coming up on episode 50. And what that means is I really would like you guys to call and to leave us a story or a response about how this podcast has impacted you or your thoughts on a topic or what one thing that you've thought about something about you not about us not a question either but just like you know mm-hmm. just a story yeah um you have up to three minutes per recording and on our 50th episode i would love to get 10 of these and play them mm-hmm. and then we would react to them mm-hmm but we're not going to be able to do this without your help. <laughs> so if you're sitting there thinking, oh, great, I hope 10 people call in. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Get off your lazy ass. Pick up the phone. Stop being a consumer. Okay, that was kind of harsh. <laughs> but seriously. But yeah, if, if you have something to say, um, we'd love to hear it. Um, also, thank you to those of us those of you that have supported us on patreon that has been incredible mm, yeah. um patreon is the number one way that we are uh, supported at this point and we do have a chair fund for those of you that want to do that with venmo or paypal but our patrons get for five dollars a month you get a patron only q a at the end of the month um and for ten dollars a month you become on the producer team where you get to decide the content of the podcast and the vlogs and help give feedback in that area. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for us to get money and those are perks, but really this is about a way for us to connect with the people that are really getting value from what we are offering mm-hmm. so that we can develop more of a relationship with and focus on those people. So that's why it's important to us. Okay. We're just sticking these podcasts out there and recording them no matter what, uh, regardless of the quality, because it's kind of a personal challenge for us at this point to stick with this commitment. So I hope this was valuable. Sorry if it was fucking convoluted and if it sounds like we just got back from an anniversary trip and are battling with parents. If you have questions because something really wasn't clear, feel free to call those in. Um yeah we're gonna have to have a whole follow-up episode where we just basically answer questions uh, for this one yeah um besides that that's it for tonight um looking forward to next week peace out thank you for listening to fight for together we'll see you next time